If someone bursts through your front door, robs you, and kidnaps your children, you'd undoubtedly call that a heinous crime. But what if through gradual, deliberate coercion, they convince you that your stuff will be safer in their hands because they can better protect it? Suddenly, your perspective might change. You see, if someone can fill your mind with doubt, they can alter your decision-making. And if someone can threaten you or scare you, they can control who will dare to speak out. If you were an army general and you were tasked to seize a country and its citizens, who would you target first? You'd strategize on how to manipulate those in power and those with influence, like royalty, politicians, CEOs, journalists, scholars. If you could manipulate them that giving up land and culture is a choice for the greater good, they would win the war for you, and your army would never even see battle. Now, what if this were not a battle of sword and shield, but one of words and ideas? A targeted attack on thoughts, opinions, and expressions, where even personal experiences are called incorrect and have no value in society. Thomas Sowell, an American economist and free thinker, made this profound observation two decades ago. Freedom is unlikely to be lost all at once or even openly. It is far more likely to be eroded away bit by bit amid glittering promises of expression and noble ideas. I'd like to clarify what I mean when I use the word censorship today. I'm referring to the hiding or ridiculing of certain ideas and opinions in hopes that the general public would either not hear them or write them off as total nonsense. This kind of censorship is really only used to control, to manipulate the conversation, to wield power, to twist popular opinion, to convince people of something specific. The constant pounding of a lie slowly makes people believe it's a truth. In order to do this, one must silence the voice of opposition and dismiss the notion of a debate. Far too often, this kind of censorship takes place because of an assumed offense or bias, not because evil has been committed or an actual law has been broken. To put it simply, individuals are being canceled, defunded, and stripped of their careers. Not because you showed me your knife and threatened my life, but rather you talked about knives in class. That scares me. I better complain to someone and have you removed. It's almost as if many in society feel responsible to preemptively squash those with values and beliefs that aren't quite aligned with how the masses should act. Censorship is happening all around us. There is a war on ideas taking place right here in Canada, and there are casualties. It's us. 
If history has taught us anything, it's that the foundational truths and sacrifices of one generation can be quickly forgotten and twisted for political gain. Right now, we are experiencing very contentious times as a society. Many people seem to be picking sides and waging war. How long will it take for us to wake up as a nation and see that together we are stronger? How did we even get here? It's often said, it's not my place to judge. But I'd argue it's our responsibility to judge. You owe it to yourself to look at the track record of influential decision makers to critically think through events and to make the best decisions possible going forward. How we respond to current deliberate censorship and silencing will determine what kind of nation our kids and our grandkids get to live in. As I present the following stories and arguments, I encourage you to watch the show in its entirety rather than taking a small clip out of context. Do not let media of any kind, including this show, lead you down a path of thinking without your consent. In fact, I applaud all those who do their own research and their own fact-checking. Historically, universities have led the charge for freedom and justice. Now, I'm thinking of South Africa, China, the Ukraine, and many other countries. Uh, check it out for yourself. They needed someone to stand up for freedom. But in North American culture, where we enjoy tremendous freedoms and peace, it's almost as if the pendulum has swung the other way. Students end up rallying to shut down parts of the public experience. Oh, all in the name of tolerance, of course. Censorship of academics is a dangerous threat to us all. What takes place in these colleges and universities often plays out in society not long after. If these cultural institutions claim to be birthplaces for new ideas, innovation, and change, then they need to equally allow for mistakes and course corrections. Experimentation and testing are always needed to prove the validity of something. The same logic is true for ideas. In the last few years, there has been a growing constraint on academics who exercise their right to freedom of speech. I'll be sharing a few examples next. Firing, intimidating, smear campaigns, and removal of tenure are just the tip of the iceberg. Canadian psychologist Steven Pinker teaches at Harvard University and is one of dozens of academic professionals and journalists who signed a letter on justice and open debate, which ran in the fall 2020 issue of Harper's Magazine. An excerpt from this letter reads, This stifling atmosphere will ultimately harm the most vital causes of our time. The restriction of debate whether by a repressive government or an intolerant society, invariably hurts those who lack power and makes everyone less capable of democratic participation. A difference of opinion is not harmful behavior, and that, that it is a vast misconception in a lot of the uh, uh, current uh, discussion and debate that if you say something that goes against the popular 
consensus, you have committed a harm. It's as if people can't bear to hear uh, an opinion that they disagree with or that they've never heard before that it is uh, wounding. And of course, whenever there's a difference of opinion, someone's feelings are going to get hurt, but we would never discover anything about anything if we uh, uh, followed that rule. The letter is not about us. It's really about the people who have been um, cowed into uh, not expressing opinions out of a legitimate fear that they will be fired or, or shamed. Result being that there are many answers to questions we may never know if we can't even discuss the possible hypotheses. Even though Pinker is a Canadian living and working in the U.S., this type of censorship is happening to academics worldwide. Dr. Rima Azar is an associate professor of health psychology at Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick. As an immigrant and a woman, she's been an unorthodox victim of what she called speed mobbing on social media. An unknown small contingent of people called for her removal from faculty over alleged offensive comments and personal opinions on her blog. Unfortunately, Mount Allison University swiftly responded to appease critics and left Professor Azar to legally defend herself while on suspension. No stranger to cancel culture himself, Jordan B. Peterson recently had Azar on his podcast to discuss this lopsided, confusing series of events. It's very hard to know precisely being accused of being racist, of being, uh, you know, the, all these terms like uh, uh, encouraging sexual violence. It all started with the blog, but then there have been an invitation for complaints about the blog. And um, I want to clearly and firmly say and state that I deny those allegations that are circulating in the media against uh, me. So that's clear. Uh, I'm someone who strongly believe in respect and human relationships. And I think uh, if we have that respect toward others, self first, but toward others, it's the best antidote to racism, discrimination, mistreatment of others. I got a phone call from a kind former student telling me, Dr. Azar, you're, uh, you need to know what is happening. And I thought, are you okay? What is happening? I was worried. Uh, and he said, no, I'm fine. You are in trouble, in big trouble. I personally found it amazing that my university, my employer that I, that I love and respect, you know, uh, did not call me to tell me what was happening. My story was sort of a, a scapegoat for something that is much bigger than a deer, a simple deer, a silly deer. Sometimes we can't, we're not allowed to write serious things or silly things, or be wrong, or change our mind. Uh, so what precisely, I don't know, but I do, I personally am allergic to identity politics, given my background. At the time of this broadcast, our research indicates that Azar has not yet been able to face her accusers. It's completely unknown if the individuals who called for her removal were speaking on behalf of themselves, or the organizations they allegedly represent in fact, it's increasingly easy and commonplace to purchase likes, comments, and shares on social media platforms, making it theoretically possible to pay to have an individual slandered and criticized online and make it look as though the complaints are credible and a lot of people agree with them. Right. 
For a few complex reasons, investigators can only guess as to how many counterfeit social media accounts exist. A low-end ballpark estimates 20 million phony Twitter profiles. That's not even taking into account the ability to purchase YouTube subscribers or likes on Facebook. Many of these ghost accounts are used for dividing communities and pushing political narratives. All that to say, the motive behind Azar's removal is also unknown. Why the censoring of her personal thoughts? What was Professor Azar going to say in the future or going to uncover that had to be stopped? Why the need to destroy her career? Even if you are not particularly interested in a professor's career being shortchanged, I'd urge you to consider the fact that no matter what Azar's views, she is being censored, and you could soon be next. If freedom of thought becomes punishable and open debate in universities or even research labs across this country is stunted, how long until freedom of speech is eroded beyond recognition in our churches, community halls, or parliament? Do you see the path we're on? Like I said before, the smart way to seize and conquer land long before going to battle is to manipulate those in authority. If there are rebels who stand in the way, then you muzzle and silence them. But why do the job yourself when you can trick others to do it for you? Enter the social media mob. We are seeing more and more often an army of those who hide behind their keyboards calling for social change, tricked into believing they're fighting for justice and doing the right thing. But their thinking is often one-sided, fueled by hatred and aggression. In our woke society, this mob mentality is encouraged and celebrated. And sadly, those in authority, like university officials and government heads, are swayed by it. They make choices to appease the mob before doing their own research, before digging up the facts and seeing both sides of an issue. Not only is this unjust, it is dangerous. When we turn on each other, when we censor one another, we collectively weaken and slowly unravel. Bias in mass media is another thing altogether. Most of us have heard the term, follow the money. This mantra can most certainly be applied when discussing how advertising dollars influence programming, news stories, and more, right down to the kind of person that is seen on camera. Two American video journalists have been fired from their respective employers for whistleblowing, citing racism, discrimination, censorship, deception, and biased journalism in their newsroom. To cease and desist posting about hydroxychloroquine. In my opinion, you failed as a reporter. Fox came at my throat for standing up against censorship. I don't think that this is journalism at all. I think that I think that this is propaganda being pushed on people. This was almost like you're not allowed to ask real questions about the vaccine. It would have been careless of me as a journalist not to ask those questions. From the inside, yes, there's a narrative. 
yes, it is unspoken, but if you accidentally step outside the narrative, if you don't sense what that narrative is mm -hmm. and go with it, there will be grave consequences for you. I'm confident there are Canadian journalists who find themselves facing a very similar dilemma. The problem with censorship is that it perpetuates fear. Originally, the purpose of journalism was to report the whole truth so that society could not be led astray. It's actually against a journalist's oath to only give viewers what you think they want to hear or what you think they can handle. That's censorship for the purpose of control. Today's show is not centered around the pandemic, but it would be untimely for me to not mention Byram Bridal, associate professor of viral immunology at the University of Guelph. He has recently been ostracized by both academic and medical circles for his unpopular stance on COVID vaccines being given to healthy children. By expressing this, I, my, my career may very well have been destroyed. It's incomprehensible to me. As Canadians, we have to ask ourselves, do you want your physicians and scientists, their voices suppressed? We're polarized right now. I'm passionate about that. But I'm respectful of those who hold the opposite opinion. I would ask for the same for myself and my colleagues. We can't suppress open discussion of science and medicine in Canada. It's a, it's a hallmark of a democratic society. Right now, I don't recognize the country that I was born into. And I would simply ask all Canadians, please, right? I, I simply want us to learn to respect one another again. Yes, this is happening right here in Canada. An author once said, when you tear out a man's tongue, you are not proving him a liar. You're only telling the world that you fear what he might say. There is a conscious, aggressive move to censor and silence medical professionals if they speak out on how the pandemic has been handled and how COVID-19 should be dealt with going forward. The odd thing is, there is rarely any compelling evidence brought forward to disprove the claims of these professionals. There is merely a regurgitation of the official statements and widespread defamation of the individual who won't comply with them. What is it going to take for Canadians to wake up and see that something isn't quite right? Why is it so offensive to present a new scientific hypothesis? Why is an unpopular opinion labeled a conspiracy theory? Why has it become an unpardonable sin to simply share what you've personally experienced or witnessed? Why now is the need to control the conversation so dire? The purpose of a free society is that we can coexist and enrich one another's lives and yet still have the freedom to disagree. Consider this, truth and lies both come to light when they're exposed. What do you think the men who fought for the Confederation of Canada dreamed of for their future generations? Freedom, opportunity for all, the removal of classes, they didn't want to be controlled by the British Empire or live under the threat of the United States. They wanted a strong economy where everyone could thrive, contribute, and succeed. They wanted a place where Canadian ideas had value. 
The postmodern era that applauds public shaming and squashes true diversity of thought will not be how we thrive as a nation. It will be our undoing. Since November 2020, Bill C-10 has been debated in Ottawa. This legislation expands the CRTC's regulatory control to online streaming providers, forcing taxation and funding of Canadian content. Critics have said the wording is so vague that it may be a very real threat to freedom of speech and freedom of expression for everyday online content creators. A university internet law professor, Michael Geist, has been especially critical of the way Bill C-10 will infringe on Canadians' rights. His quote, From my view, that's pretty clear government regulation of speech saying some content gets prioritized and other content gets deprioritized. The way bills are drafted, they aren't easy to read and interpret. No matter what party you vote for, no one likes to be blindsided by their government. I'd like to show you this small snippet of the spirited debate that went on for weeks in the House of Commons. I think it helps give Bill C-10 some context. What this Liberal government is doing is trying to stop are trying to save the status quo for the benefit of the gatekeepers and to control the voices of Canadians. And that's, that's just the reality of it. Anybody in Canada now can pick up their phone and have a voice. And what the federal Liberal governments want to do is to give the regulator, it's called the CRTC, the ability to say who gets to be seen, who gets to be seen in the Facebook algorithm or the YouTube algorithm, or maybe at all. It's racist, it's misogynistic, it's not inclusive because it, it, the Liberals are entrenching a, a system of gatekeepers that are run by, the CRTC is run by six old white guys. This bill, if, the, if this bill was so great for social media users, and no, 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 it's not going to influence individual social media users, then why did they remove that position, that position? This bill has to be stopped. And individual Canadians, regardless of how you vote, no politician in this place should be putting a chill on freedom of speech and content creation in an industry that's being disrupted the way that this bill is. I'm just going to call a spade a spade here. This is about votes, and it's about votes in Quebec. And that's to the de detriment of French language creators in, in Quebec. It's to the detriment of every person who has a platform in Canada. Enough with the censorship. Enough with the freedom of speech. C10 needs to be stopped. It needs to be repealed. The leader of my party has said that if we came to government, we would repeal it, but I'd like to stop it here tonight. And I appeal to all of my colleagues of all political strike to wake up and understand that this bill is not in the best interest of any Canadian. Thank you, Speaker. Why does the government feel the swelling need to censor what we are posting and watching online? It's curious to note that the Liberal government has pushed this bill through the legislative process much faster than any previous bills amidst a global health pandemic, when online censorship has already been under scrutiny. Makes you wonder. In the early morning hours of June 21st, Bill C-10 passed in the House of Commons with a vote of 196 to 112. The legislation will still need to pass through Senate, most likely this fall. When was the last time you heard of politicians' office hours going until 1.30 in the morning? Wow, this bill must have felt urgent. 
I don't want to bog you down with political jargon, but I think it's worth telling you that the Liberals also tabled an amendment to Bill C-36, as Parliament was adjourning for the summer. This one specifically allows citizens to make a formal complaint to the Human Rights Tribunal if a person fears another will commit an offense online. Listen to that. Fears they will. The offense doesn't even have to have taken place yet. Well, let's hear from both sides. A Liberal MP offered a broad, vague explanation. The bill would allow anyone to take action if they experience hate online. Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada, David Lametti said, these changes are designed to target the most egregious and clear forms of hate speech that can lead to discrimination and violence. Whereas a conservative MP gave it context by saying, it's empowering a bureaucracy to subjectively restrict the rights of Canadians. The Canadian Constitution Foundation released in a statement, the bill will impact the ability of Canadians to engage in debate on subjects that are unsettled. I mentioned this today because I don't think we, the public, are being told all the information here. This will be a crucial bill to watch. We've seen this happen before. Poorly disguised verbiage ends up criminalizing common sense Canadians who aren't woke enough for the current political agenda. It's overwhelming to consider all these examples and reconcile them with the words of our anthem, the true North strong and free. In our political climate, strong and free aren't the words that come to mind, but more like twisted and skewed. My purpose today is not to discourage you. Instead, I'd like to inspire you, to compel you into action. No longer is it okay to stay silent and let the powers that be lead society down this path unopposed. James Allen Hightower, American columnist and progressive political activist, challenges us with this thought. The opposite of courage, it's not cowardice, it's conformity. Edmund Burke puts it this way, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Here's my challenge to you today. It's more important than ever to stand up for your rights and freedoms. Stand up for all of those in this nation who don't have a voice. Do not discount yourself simply because you feel uninformed or not in a position of influence. The censorship and stifling of fellow Canadians should be so abhorrent to us that we are compelled to say enough is enough. Get informed. Really look into the issues that matter. Stand up for justice in whatever way you can. Support good transparent organizations. Attend rallies. Share thoughtful, honest opinions online or in person with friends and family. Write and phone your members of Parliament. Remind them of the Canada you grew up in and the one you want to leave for future generations. In all of this, act justly. Extend mercy. Speak truth, not hate. Be humble and be yourself. Let's all return to reason. Democracy can't work without freedom of speech. 
It's an absolute cornerstone of democracy.